Hi, this is Frank Turner, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Upside Down Shark Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Upside Down Shark Radio. I am one of your hosts, Craig. This week, joining me is 28% attendance, Mr. Paul Wood. Getting up there. Getting up there indeed. Uh, recently, we had a small man. We had a small man interview. Go and interview a big man. <laughs> yeah. Our small man is called Tom Baker. How's it going, guys? Resident small man in the house. Shut the fart, you. Are you okay? I'm fine. Okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> you sure? Because it's not all the... the the, 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 the spark, the, the happiness, the thunder, the testosterone was flowing. Yeah. You can tell we've all got massive grins on our face right now, because we've got some exciting news. Do you want to continue, or should we just hype this up a bit more? No, I think uh, I think we've teased them long enough. Uh, this week, or the week just gone, uh, Frank Turner, not sure if any of you have heard of him. Small indie. Small indie man. guy. Played the Olympics, never heard of him. Knows a few wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, he played the booking hall in Dover, and I was lucky enough to have a little chat with him beforehand. How we pulled this off is an absolute miracle. Like, <laughs> legit, the ultimate case of faking it till you make it. If you look in the video, and I think you can actually see Tom just in his mind shouting, How did I get here? What am I doing here? <laughs> there was a lot of fear in my young little eyes during this whole thing. If you get the opportunity, feel free to freeze frame and meme Tom. Please do. I, it's been my dream ever since I was a young lad to be a meme. So please make my dreams come true. Meme dream. But we had a chat with him, or I had a chat with him, and uh, we talked wrestling. We talked uh, Iron Maiden, little bit of Donald Trump, even sharks being that it is our namesake. And I think we got a few scoops as well, you know? Shall we have a listen and, and see? Yeah, uh, go for it. Let's join us afterwards to just reflect. Yeah, enjoy. Hello. Hello. Tom from Outside Down Shark Radio here, backstage at the Booking Hall in Dover. And quite unbelievably, joining me today is folk punk troubadour, Frank Turner. Hello. Hi, Frank. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, madly enough, um, I have been touring this country for a very, very long time, and I've played a gazillion shows here, but I've never played in Dover before. What's your first impressions of Dover? Well, this is the interesting, uh, interesting thing he said. Uh, it's, uh, the thing is, I've been to Dover many times. Oh, really? Because, um, generally speaking, uh, our tour buses, our lock-up and our rehearsal and everything with the band is in Oxford, I live in London. So when we're doing a European tour, I tend to get the train to Dover Priory, and there's that pub opposite the train station. Oh, yeah, yeah. And quite often I get in, like, half an hour before the bus or whatever, so I go and have a pint in there. So I know that pub. Um, and then, you know, and then the bus comes and picks me up, and we get on the ferry, and we go to France or whatever. But it's kind of nice that we're actually sort of stopping in um, a place that we've travelled through so many times. I'm sure there's a lot of people who only ever travel through Dover. Yeah, I mean, it's a really nice venue, the Booking Hall. Yeah, it is. It's new, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's only been around for about a year or so, but they've oh, right. got okay, some cool. great, yeah. great acts. Well, my, my, my buddy Chris is helping out book shows here, and he and I go an extremely long way back. Um, yeah. And he asked me if I'd be interested in coming and playing, and I said, 
Sure. Because yes. it means I get to hang out with him and be able to now tell my grandchildren that I've played at least one show in Dover in my life. And that's three birds with one stone. Exactly. Think, Look at that. Cool. So last year you released Songbook uh, yep. on the tail end on Extra Mile Records, the best record label. Um, and it's a great. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Strongly. I agree. I mean, just the big R shirt. So yeah. <laughs> re- represent Ruben. Um, it's a great hit with the difference because you've remastered a bunch of the classic tracks. Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration behind the decision of just not having well, a regular greatest hits? I mean, I think, I would, first of all, because I think a regular just collection of tracks on a record that you've already released is a little suspect. Um, uh, I mean, I, there is a bunch of reasons we did Songbook. One of which was that at the Lost Evenings Festival, over the course of four nights, trying not to repeat songs I played, think about 85 different songs that I've written which is a lot of bloody songs um, and you know <laughs> um, but and the thing is I don't listen to my own records when I go home okay. do you know what I mean it's like that seems enormously self-involved to me so um, it was the first time in quite a while that I'd sort of thought about that many songs in one place at the same time and it was kind of cool to actually um, be able to take a bit of an overview of what I do um, and then the other thing is I mean it is a great sense to a degree what makes me more comfortable about it is the fact that like when I was a kid if a band released the greatest hits with like one new song or whatever you had to pay 20 quid to get that one new song it was an obvious rip off in the world of Spotify and iTunes and all the rest of it it doesn't really work like that yeah. in the same way do you know what I mean people can pick and choose and also the other thing I should say about it is the, the box set part of it that we put together I think is fucking great dare I say so myself Absolutely. I, I was I was genuinely like kind of blown away when I saw what they were doing with it and it's like you know two DVDs photo book all these words blah 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 music so you know hopefully it's kind of a nice thing that people can uh, get into whether they're old fans or indeed I think a big part of it was like um, you know somebody's kind of new to what I do I know what it feels like sometimes it can be quite daunting to get into a band and yeah. discover they've got six albums out already and it's just like oh my god where do I start so people can start there lovely lovely so moving forward to from the past to the future yeah there's a new album on the horizon uh, I finished year. mixing it uh, last night amazing amazing mm. Um, and I've seen in previous interviews you've said that it's quite a radical departure uh, from what you've done before. <clears throat> I think so. I'm, ultimately, I'm the wrong person to ask that question okay. because every every time I work on a record or indeed a song, it feels different to me yeah. because I'm the writer. And if it didn't feel different, if it felt like I was repeating myself, I would stop and keep doing something else until it didn't feel like that. Um, you know, and it's... I mean, the thing I always think of is, like, when I started doing solo stuff, having been in Million Dead, though, I was just kind of like, there is no possible overlap between fan bases mm-hmm. or between genre or musicality or whatever between these two things. And a fair chunk of people just went, oh, yeah, it's still you singing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, weird. You know, because to me, they couldn't have been any further removed. So I'm sure that it's probably not quite as radically different as it sounds, as it feels like to me. I mean, mm-hmm. that said, there's a lot more kind of... Has a lot of influence from stuff like mid '80s Cure, Soft Cell, oh. New Order. Um, there's a lot of kind of beat-based stuff. A lot of synthesizers on there. Um, I got very, very, very into heavy vocal production. Um, not in an enormously obvious way, but I just got really into kind of the way that um, you know people like New Order used to record their vocals and stuff like that. So um, I, it, there is a lot of kind of new ground being broken from my point of view. It's kind of up to everybody else to judge whether that makes it radically different or not. So the Frank Turner Grime album is still a few years away? Uh, it's a few years away, okay, yeah. Cool. I did do a thing um, <laughs> last year 
but it was just very very strange I went to Sierra Leone on a um, charity trip thing um, we're trying to work out getting back there again it was amazing but like there's a group there called the Black Street Family who are former child soldiers who are now a kind of like gangster rap band and um, they asked me to write a chorus for them so they'd have a song where they rap and then I'd do the chorus but I mean seriously what the fuck have I got to say to a bunch of people who grew up in a civil murder civil war absolutely forced into soldiery as children and have lived through things that I can't in my entirely sort of bourgeois middle class western (laughs) existence it's virtually impossible for me to conceive of anything that I've been through and they're like yeah man write a chorus and I was like okay Um, hmm. yeah that sounds daunting yeah it was quite daunting and I'm not going to say that what I came up with was the greatest thing I've ever come up with ever but it exists well, <laughs> moving on from quite a quite a serious note. Yes. There. Um, there's one question that if I could only ask one uh, question on this whole interview, this is the one I wanted to frame around. Okay, then. Uh, the end, get good <laughs> at the end of last year, I was lucky enough to see Jamie Lemon, formerly of Reuben, if yes. you're not aware, um, at his uh, acoustic show uh, in London. Yeah. And I had the chance to ask him about a, po- a potential collaboration with you in future, because right. obviously <laughs> Deadly Lethal Ninja Assassin and all yeah, sorts yeah, yeah, yeah. of YouTube back and forth between the two of you yeah. uh, over the years. Uh, he'd say, say he'd be up for it, but that you're a hard man to catch. Uh, so, uh, and also that apparently his mum still has uh, all your CDs in her car and race car in the footwell. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, right. So take okay, that well, what you will. But I pose the same question to you. Um, how would you feel about the glorious reunion of Turner and Lennon? Oh, I feel great about it. I mean, um, Jamie's one of those people who um, I've known for a long time. Um, I don't know if you have friends like this in your life, but every time we see each other, we go... My God, why don't we hang out more often? Like, Absolutely. he's such a nice dude. He's he's one of the most fascinating, kind of talented, intelligent people I know. And um, you know, he's his mind works in ways that other people's don't, including <laughs> mine. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's interesting being around him. And and like once in a blue moon, we'll like have dinner together. We'll come around the house or whatever, and and we always just get buried in conversations about music and about art and all the rest of it. And it's great. And then we go, oh my God, let's do this again soon. And then we both go off on tour it's it's not it's quite difficult I think for two working musicians to be friends with each other unless they're in Definitely. the same band um, uh, so yeah I mean of course yeah in principle um, uh, fuck it I'm going to send him a text once we're done with this I'm not sure that's going to turn into collaboration but it might turn into dinner if nothing else well if I can just facilitate a dinner between the two of you okay. then this whole thing you can take the it. credit for it thank you very much uh, so that's sort of more the, the serious serious stuff out of the way let's get to some right. real questions okay. some real questions right. okay. okay so um, a few years ago um, you, your specialist subject on Mastermind was Iron Maiden yes Oh, with, that, oh, not going to with that in mind, Paul Diano, Bruce Dickinson, Blaze Bailey, uh, Bailey. Yeah, who wins? Uh, well, I mean, it kind of has to be Bruce Dickinson, and like the hipster answer is Paul Diano, and I that's probably, my I probably, well, sorry, um, forgive me, that's terrible. That's fine. Said. That's fine. Well, that's the fine. thing is, I think the records, I've been worse. I've been I think that worse. in some ways the records that he sung on were more interesting, but like, it's kind of in undebatable that like Dickinson sort of is made into a degree. Do you know what I mean? Can it's see just Harris, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's a. Diano was not the way I ever saw him because he left the band kind of before I was born. But, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. from all reports, he was nothing, not a patch on Dickinson as a front man for a live show. Do you he know does what I mean? seem like a bit of a dick in Have you read his autobiography? I haven't. It is a strange thing for a man to write an autobiography and come out the other end of it looking like a twat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It is, that is the moment in life where you get to put it your way. 
Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. your, your unedited, your story, your version of events, your justification, and he still comes out of it like a bellend. Well, that's, that's an achievement. But, you know, I mean, I think if I had to choose, I'd probably say Killer's my favourite record. But um, That's a good shout. It's a good shout. I think that's what I have the artwork to do. I think it's the first album I ever bought. Um, so. so aside from winning Mastermind, what is your proudest achievement uh, so far? <laughs> I mean, that's up there. It's certainly up there. Um, what is my proudest achievement? I mean, this is going to sound like a bit of a dodge, and I promise you that I assure you that it's not. I think the thing is, you know, when I was a kid, I fell in love with rock and roll, and I, said, I told my friends I was going to be in a band, and we were going to tour and play big shows, and everybody laughed. And my parents were outraged and said, no, you're fucking not doing that. Um, and then, you know, and then I got in a band as a teenager and we played some small gigs and everybody, some people liked it. Most of my friends continued to laugh. My parents continued to be outraged. And it's just like, I'm 36 now and I make a full-time living as a musician and I have done for more than half my adult life. This is my 20th year on tour this year, as of, uh, hold on, November this year. I think, no, August this year will be my 20th anniversary on the road. And I'm fucking proud of that, actually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... It doesn't matter to anyone else in the world. It's not a world historical achievement, just on a personal level. I'm proud of the fact that I did what I said I was going to do, and I succeeded. So. I'll drink to that, I'll drink to that. He's yeah, absolutely. The table. Some motivational words on this mm. one. Um, so, again, just going with more of the real questions. A sure. couple of years ago, uh, you released a single with a video starring CM Punk for the next Yes, song. yeah. How did that come about? How did you get in contact? And um, uh, are you a wrestling guy? Do you know about wrestling? Yeah, yeah, a lot of our content we uh, we talk and okay, cool. about well, wrestling. Well, in which case, you're miles streets ahead of me. <laughs> I, I I was into WWF when I was a kid, like Ultimate Warrior and Undertaker and that sort of business. But Absolutely. Like, not not particularly family, but I enjoyed it. Um, and I haven't paid attention for wrestling for years, but uh, it started with a guy called Daniel Bryan. Started sort of just mentioning me. And then a few other people sort of pointed out that I became aware of the whole sort of independent wrestling circuit and that kind of thing. It's amazing at the moment. Yeah, I had I had never I had no idea that this existed. And I, you know, I don't I don't really follow wrestling, but um, I sort of chatted to Daniel a bit on email and stuff like that, and it seemed like a nice guy. And I was trying to get him involved in a music video because that seemed like a cool idea. Um, that uh, I think actually it was Ben Morse who came up with the idea. Um, we chatted to Daniel for a bit, but he had a neck injury. Um, at around the time we were trying to figure this video out so he was like I, I can't do this and then uh, Ben turned around and said well there's this guy called CM Punk and I said well, okay so I checked out CM Punk <laughs> and turns out CM Punk is good friends with Ryan from a band called Off of the Heads who is a good yep. friend of mine um, so I called yeah fuck it god damn Home is one of the best punk albums of the last 20 years um, I called Ryan and Ryan put me in touch with Phil as he is to his mum Philip Brooks um, yes and uh, Phil was lovely and came down and did the shoot amazing so amazing well, so you shook hands you took your shirts uh, off no. and just... <laughs> I actually so I went for a training day oh um, really this guy called Ed Ed Gamister who's a British wrestler and he trained he's a sort of a physical educator a personal trainer that's what I'm trying to say and he um, Ben Ben organised the shoot um, and so I went down to like a car park in Croydon or something to like a warehouse in Croydon and like um, uh, and had a day of being taught some kind of basic wrestling moves by Ed um, which actually I have to say was a lot harder than the actual shoot because the thing is Ed was teaching me how to do wrestling moves to sell to a room full of people around you mm. whereas when you're shooting on a video you just get the camera and go right and you can do it 19 times and it's kind of fine do you know what I mean the mm. skill that and, and then at no point am I trying to do down professional course, wrestling incidentally because I have learned the hard way that it's extreme yeah. of skills um, but yeah you know the, the skill is selling it to a room of people at the same time but um and, and then, you know, so Ben had sort of fight choreographed the scene with some help from Punk. I just sort of did what I was told. 
There were some bits of it that were actually pretty fucking scary. Um, uh, the, there was a bit where Phil said he was going to do a, a move called the running knee strike to the face. Um, that uh, sounds like it does what it says yeah, on the Yeah, and I, I just was like, we're going to do a what now? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, but Phil talked me through it. It's in the video, like, I mean, one belt yeah, buckle, he runs up and he jumps up on the belt and it looks like he knees me in the face. He didn't knee me in the face. He sort of like slapped his thigh on my chest and, and I sold it, as you do. But it was a scary, scary moment in my life. He's, a, he's an intimidating guy. He definitely looks in. He definitely looks in. Yeah. He's very nice, but just well, physically, course. like, I wouldn't fuck with that guy. No, no. <laughs> Me and you both. So I think, um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a final question, uh, maybe we'll ask everyone. I haven't really thought that far ahead. What's your favourite shark? What is my favourite shark? Yeah. I mean, well, mm, good question. Um, yeah, you see all the statistics about, um, uh, like, there's millions of sharks killed every year and that kind of thing. And a big part of that is just because there's lots of different species of... Sh- I mean, that's obviously it's terrible. I'm not contesting that. There are lots of different species of shark. Um, within that, though, I mean, the thing that I like about a great white right, is at least it fights back. Do you know what I mean? Those, they, it kind of resets the tally a little bit, which is good. The other thing is, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's been this thing that's come out. Apparently, Donald Trump hates sharks. Brilliant. Uh, like, really, really viscerally hates sharks, which makes me like sharks a lot more than I did before. I love the name of this thing now. Guy. Right, yeah, well, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, so I'll go for the Great White just because they fight back. Awesome. There you have it. Frank, Frank, thank you so much for talking to us. My pleasure. My pleasure, man. This has been Upside Down Shark Radio. This is Frank Turner. <laughs> How we pulled this off, I haven't got a clue, but we'll see you next time. Till next time. There you have it. Very impressive, Tom. Thank you. I thought, thank you. you know, it, I could see you nerves at the beginning. <laughs> But then you came out like out. Superman. I mean, he is the, the he is the coolest, sweetest guy. Honestly, little man pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> if you get a chance, make sure to pick up Songbook um, on Extra Mile Records, and whenever the new album comes out, make sure to check that out as well. I heard some of the tracks um, in his set that evening. Uh, fantastic, so the absolutely gig was fantastic. Good yeah, as well. And, uh, I mean, it's Frank Turner. Good it's going to be good. Good gig. But who would have thought? Daniel Bryan was originally meant to be in the next Storm music video, not CM Punk. I think in the video as well, because he's just like, ah, uh, wrestlers, you know, that sort of thing. And then he name drops Daniel Bryan. I, I can see and you're like, oh. You don't and see that our camera man. It's, it's the way he does it as if like Daniel Bryan's just like, it's just yeah. a little indie yeah. guy. It took me a while to register that he was talking about the Bryan Danielson. <laughs> Then it's just like, oh, you know, my mate Barry fixed my hit radiator. Yeah. That's how he drops his that eye, that yeah. Daniel Bryan guy, you know. Oh, it, is, it was surreal. It was surreal. So if you're listening to this, this is obviously the audio version. Uh-huh. If you want to see our, our very, uh, what did we call you, small boy? Small boy. Small boy. Soft boy. Soft boy. Little man. <laughs> little man. Soft boy of UDS. Soft boy, little man. <laughs> if you want to see him... Um, with the best year eight haircut, interview a man who looks like he could easily eat him. Yeah, go on that's to a fair our, assessment. Go, go on to our YouTube channel yep. to see the full motion video. Just look up Upside Down Shark on YouTube. You'll find it there, along with all manner of other great episodes, wrestle talk, movie chat, trailer takedowns, everything you could ever want to waste away an afternoon. Uh, and if you like that, please give us a little subscribe, give us a little rating on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We even stream on Twitch when we can find the time. That felt like a dig. Nah! <laughs> I had a stroke. I was not medically clear. <laughs> that is the best excuse I've ever heard for not streaming on Twitch. Thank you.
And if you want to be on the show, drop us a line, UpsideDownSharkRadio at gmail.com. We'll have you on. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. We'll have a good chinwag. Just, you know, engage with our content, apparently, because everyone says that word now. More content. Yeah, more content. Little boy needs shoes. <laughs> Little boy needs to spend his ad money. With that, with that I think that, that's a wrap. That is our first real interview. Our first real interview. Rinterview. Rinterview. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Cheers, guys.